Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I'm your host, Paula Jenkins. I invite you to join me as we explore how inspiring people have chosen joy in their lives and what they have to share with us about how to jumpstart joy in the world. Plus, how do we follow our own hearts, find work that lights us up while mindfully noticing the role that joy plays in our own journey. Welcome to episode 92. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week, I am so excited to be speaking with Zoha Abbas of the site Multidoer. Zoha is a multi-passionate creative who works with creative people who have a lot of different passions and interests, and she helps them get a sense of how to move from an idea, which we have so many of, into action. This is one of those fun, authentic conversations that I just love to share with you guys. Zoha and I hit it off and found so much common ground to chat about. I know many of you guys are creative multi-passionates, and if you've enjoyed my episodes with Emily Wapnick or Michelle Ward or so many others, you're going to want to catch every second of this conversation with Zoha. Before we get to that, the theme for this month on Jumpstart Your Joy is your purpose. I've been looking at lots of different ways you can follow your heart and live the life of your dreams and how to get in touch with your purpose. Earlier this month, if you want to go back and listen, I had on Michelle Ward and Laura Sims, along with the next week was Paul Selig, and I've done a solo cast about finding your purpose as well. I am so glad that you guys are all here and want to give you a big thank you for tuning in this week and always. Thank you so much for joining me. You'll find that I publish show notes for each episode that include links to a guest's website, additional references, and some of the thoughts I have about the topics we discuss. You can find them for this show with Zoha over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 92. While you're over at the site, I invite you to register for my very free e-course, Joy Plus You Unleashed, which is a fun self-paced class that guides you on how to focus on making more room for joy in your life. It is definitely something that I am extremely passionate about. There's a sign-up form right on the homepage of the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com, where you can put your name and your email right in that little box, and then you'll, you'll start getting those emails. You can also find past episodes and nearly eight years of blog posts that I've written, all to help you find joy in your life. This week, I'm really excited to share this conversation with Zoha Abbas. Every once in a while, there's a guest with whom I just click, and meeting Zoha was one of those times. She's got a background in advertising, and so do I, and she is a multi-passionate, which I am as well, and she has so many interests. She's an entrepreneur, with a project manager's knack for planning and a great big creative heart. I adore that she's all about putting plans into action while keeping your eye on creative pursuits. So without further ado, let's go to the interview with Zoha. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. Today we have Zoha Abbas on the show. I am so excited to speak with you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay! What brought you joy as a child? What were your earliest sparks of joy? Oh, my goodness. So I was into so many things as a child, too. I used to draw a lot of little cartoons 
did a lot of paper mache. I had a little play school piano that I used to plunk around on and I'd like pick out random songs that I would hear, just pick them out by ear. My mom is a fine artist and she would give me different art projects and stuff. Like every single summer I'd get these big, big projects and my cousins came to stay one summer and she tasked us with putting together a puppet show. So we had to like make the backdrop and write the script and sew the puppets up and all of that stuff. So I think she probably saw that in me early on, but she also really encouraged it and really let me go for whatever I was interested in at the moment. If I was like, Oh, I really like calligraphy. You know, we'd go to Barnes and Noble and get like a little calligraphy set with the little books that like teaches you how to do it. Or like, oh, I'm, I really like, you know, sculpture looks kind of neat. She's like, here's some clay, go make something. So mm. I'm really thankful for that. But I was into it. so many different things as a kid. Yeah. So okay. do you want <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a person who was sort of disenchanted with the corporate life. And I'm now a creative productivity coach. And I help multi-passionate creatives define their priorities, set goals, and get things done, all under the umbrella of my new business, Multi-Doer. Yay, Multi-Doer. I love a good Multi-Doer. Yes, because there's something about this show. I'm a self-profile claimed multi-passionate myself so I totally get it and there's been quite a few on the show including everyone's beloved Emily Wapnick so oh wonderful uh, you are in such good company here let's see so how would you define a multi-doer though what does that include in kind of the way you define it yeah so I think the key thing here when I was choosing that name for my business was the word doer So they're multi-passionate people who are action-oriented and like ready to really grab the bull by the horns and start doing stuff. Because I think it's a very interesting space. I'm a multi-passionate creative as well. And I have definitely had times in my life where I've been multi-passionate, but I haven't really been acting on. Mm. And I think there's a whole other phase that people enter once they're multi-doers and they're really sort of taking action and going for it. Yes, I like this so much because you're totally right. What, there's that early phase of what the heck am I? Why do I love all this stuff? Why can't I figure out (laughs) this thing? And then there's the, oh, this is a thing. Wait, just being multi-passionate is a thing. But then I love that you're taking this to a next level. Where did it strike you that there's that difference of kind of, yeah, I get it now, but now I want to take action on being a multi-passionate. I think it sort of hit me probably, gosh, it didn't even hit me until after college that that was like a whole different level because I've been multi-passionate my whole life and didn't really have like a label to put to it. I just thought I was kind of weird. But I'm so excited that I'm seeing more and more people just like owning this multi-passionate like badge of honor. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. I'm into a bunch of things and I like it and I'm creative. But I really didn't 
have like defined goals. I wasn't really making progress on my project. And there was this point that I hit after college where I was just like, you know, if I'm not taking baby steps to do any of this, it's just a lot of talk and mm-hmm. it's a lot of unfinished projects and what felt to me almost like wasted time, even though I don't think there's really anything in this life that is truly time wasted, but it's sort of like you're looking for your time to amount to something. And like, you can say, Oh yeah, I built that. And it took this much effort and this much time. And I really put myself into it and I didn't have anything that I could point to and say, I did that. I finished it. It's done. I created it. Mm. But there was nothing for me to really like hang my hat on and say like, oh yeah, my multi-passionate efforts have really paid off. So I started like breaking stuff down and figuring out ways to get things done that would kind of make me feel more fulfilled and make me feel more comfortable and just happy with that multi-passionate badge. Mm. Yes. And I can relate to that so highly, both the piece that and so I'm a project manager by day, mm-hmm. which is an interesting fit if you're a multi-passionate. You're like, how do I channel all these interests and still get stuff done? That's kind of a fun way to do it. But yeah. I can appreciate the piece of wanting to put things into action because I think in my own world, even like around this podcast, like once I put my head to it and got moving in a direction, then... I don't know if you find this is true for yourself as well, but then do you find that like the creative juices all get focused and it's almost like you hit a magic zone or something? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It's like you're gaining momentum. It's almost like you're the little snowball rolling down the mountain, right? Mm -hmm. But like not in a reckless careening, like flying to your doom kind of way, but like in a way that you're growing like that little snowball is, you know, going down the mountain and you're just, you're gaining momentum, you're gaining clarity, you're even gaining speed in some things. I think you're totally right. Yeah. I think a lot of it too is like creatives in general, I think have this sort of, I think some of it's self-inflicted and some of it is inflicted by the world around us. But this thing that we are stereotypically flighty and not really organized and can't get stuff done. And I think that really contributes to the multi-passionate shiny object syndrome. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like you don't get, and this is hard for me to say because I don't want to admit it sometimes (laughs) as a multi-passionate creative, but like you don't get deep enough into something to like really let the floodgates open and have those creative juices be flowing, you know, for you to gain that momentum. Yeah. So how does somebody or how have you made that shift from yeah. what feeling kind um, of like there's all the things and it's hard to find the thing to follow in and amongst the noise? How do you shift into that space of action? It has definitely, you know, at first it was a real challenge because you're so right, especially about that word noise. There's so much stuff that we could be doing or want to be doing. There are new things popping up every single day. And especially with like social media and technology moving as fast as it does, Mm -hmm. there's something new that you could jump into literally every minute of every day. 
but I think it's all about defining your priorities. There's always going to be a big list of things that you want to get done, but it's all about what are those few things that are really at the top of that list, whether, you know, it's because it's something that needs to get done, you know, you're working on a deadline or because it's something that is really, really calling to you to work on it. I think defining your priorities is like the first step in being able to kind of get rolling at all. Yes, I love a good list. <laughs> I also yeah. know there's a oh, lot of men, art. girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I think we are two kindred spirits here. I think so. But isn't there also, I mean, do you see this in some clients or people or your own life where it's like, yeah, but I'm creative and multi-passionate. And so it's really hard to even put all this stuff down. Meaning, is there an aversion for some creatives to even start the list? Oh, for sure. For sure. I think a lot of times people look at like, you know, listing or like defining things as constraint. So it's almost like you have this panic of like, oh, I'm being put in a box. Like, you know, I can't move outside of this thing. But I think the key thing for multi-passionates is like to constantly be reassessing that list. Mm -hmm. And making sure that these things are still truly important to you. And obviously, you know, if you're going to progress, this isn't something you're going to be doing like on a daily basis, but maybe <laughs> on like a monthly basis, you know, check in with yourself and see how deep you've gotten into some of this stuff and say like, is this still really speaking to me or am I still working on it out of, you know, that awesome creative guilt and, and, you know, that feeling of like, I've sunk so much time and so much effort into this. Is it something that's still really important to you in that way? And that way, I feel like you kind of take those boundaries away because really that priority and that list can be whatever you want it to be. Mm -hmm. But you just really have to be honest with yourself. And like, are you stopping it because you're getting tired right now? Like, you're in the middle of something really challenging and you're, you know, feeling the pain of that growth or is this truly something that's not speaking to you anymore and it can be discarded off the list? I really like that kind of that lens by which to decide, is it something, you know, it's okay to drop this thing now because it, one of the things I've found for myself is I think multi-passionates have this tendency where we get super interested and super focused and then kind of out of the blue, we're like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I don't need to do that yeah. anymore. And that's kind of where that flighty maybe feeling comes from. I think so. Yeah. Do you have a thinking behind what happens there? Like what happens when somebody who's multi-passionate has hit that point with an interest or a project? I think multi-passionates are dealing with like maybe a deeper answer than we're looking for. But I think there are so many layers to people and it's so important to like take all of that into account. I think multi-passionates deal with a lot of naysayers in a way because there's so much stuff out there that's saying that you have one thing, you know, and go towards your one true purpose. And that might not necessarily be true. So we might actually be giving into like a self-sabotage kind of cycle or like that imposter syndrome starts talking and you're like, 
you almost have to tell yourself you don't care about it anymore so that you can walk away from it and feel good about giving into that fear when you're like part of the way through a, a project. And I think other times it truly just doesn't speak to you anymore. But mm-hmm. I think that's where that key piece of like that honesty with yourself and really, really being vulnerable with yourself because sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves and so closed off even to what we're feeling and thinking just Mm -hmm. being able to open up that box of stuff and sift through it and hone into that and see if you're coming from a place of like panic you know is this something where I'm feeling like what if I finish it and it's not what I thought it would be Or what if I do this and it's not good enough? Or, you know, what if I can't finish it? What if this is only as far as I'm capable of going? I think you've really got to be honest with yourself to tap into that. And then as our mutual friend, you know, (laughs) Michelle Ward is like, feel the fear and then do it anyway. Right. So you, you have to find that, that like inner strength and just push through that wall of fear. (laughs) And I've like, I've talked to my husband before and I've just been like, I feel like I'm just wandering around in a room in pitch blackness. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to keep walking forward and hope that there's a door on the other side that I can open and go through. Yes. Yes. There's so much. Oh my gosh. I just love love everything you just said, (laughs) both about being really real with yourself about what's going on, because I think it's hard sometimes to filter out that emotion. And so I love that you've listed out several things. You know, is it self-sabotage or fear? Is it just that it's really hard once we know that we have so many interests to then be able to release a few of them, right? Like Mm -hmm. some of them may not be the things. Like I know I have a, a running binder where there's those ideas that pop up and I'm like, Ooh, those are fascinating. And I'm like, but I have no idea when I will. So I just write them down and then sometimes they leave me alone for a while. Exactly. But I think it's really interesting, like why it's so hard to let go of the things. And so I like that you're giving that piece of advice that being self-reflective is often a really good way to get inside your head and and say, okay, is this something that really matters that I'm letting it go because I'm scared? Or does it really have just, it's played itself out? Because I know as a multi-passionate, I'm oftentimes, it's played itself out and I've learned what I needed to know. And I don't know why I'm done with it, but I'm done with it. And that's a really weird space to be. It is. It's sort of this like very awkward pain (laughs) that you're dealing with because you're like, oh, I used to love this thing so much. And Mm -hmm. I would be like thinking about it all the time, but like, I'm doing it now. Like, why doesn't it feel the same? And then you start going into that, you know, sort of self-hatred cycle of like, oh, what being because I'm not good enough at it. And like, I'm never going to be good at anything. And, you know, you just Mm -hmm. kind of go into this like spiral. And I think when things start getting to that level of difficult, where you're Mm -hmm. like, having an existential crisis because like you're trying to do it but you don't want to do it but you feel like you have to do it but it's supposed to be fun when you're doing it but that's probably a good like flag but it's like okay drop this thing for right now you can come back to it later maybe if it shouts Mm -hmm. out to you again but like let it float away down the river for now 
Yeah, and give it a little space, maybe, because it's just yes. there's something about it that's become too, too much. <laughs> totally, to- and it's like having a relationship, right? Like mm. if one person is just like super into the other person, but the other person's like, oh, like I don't think this is really like a thing for us anymore. But like the other person's still trying to like, you know, beat a dead horse and like make mm-hmm. something happen. Like it's not going to work. And I think it's the same way with creativity like it's a living breathing thing in so many ways and you really got to be in tune with yourself for that push and that pull you know to see really where is this taking me and am I being honest with myself when I go in that direction Mm -hmm. yeah and trusting too I know like in in talking with Emily a little bit like one of the things that I love about the piece that's so hard, my gosh, it's, it's probably the hardest part or one of the hardest parts for me, but is like trusting that when you've realized, okay, this thing as it stands right now is over and done and I'm just going to walk away because that's the respectful thing to do. Yeah. I'm also yeah. using the language of a relationship here. That's so funny. But there's probably something in the future that is going to come of either the knowledge or the work or the passion that you had around that thing. Because it, it's oh, not yeah. for not like and that's the really hard thing, I think, for multi-passionates is when you're you get into that zone of being so obsessed, it's really hard to back it out and not want to just kind of smother it, maybe. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. And. Also, I feel like what you just said about it not being for nothing, Mm -hmm. that's so important to remember because you as a person at this very moment, you're the sum of all the things that have happened before, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're constantly growing, you're constantly changing. And, you know, like I, you know, was learning how to play guitar for the longest time and I haven't played guitar for a while now, and it's something that still calls to me intermittently, but, like, it's still a really big part of who I am, and I don't think it was ever really for nothing because it still gives me, like, a new lens to look at things from, and it's really a part of, like, me as a person right now because that's something that I've built on, Mm -hmm. and I think that's true for everybody especially, especially multi-passionate creatives. And I think like going back to that thing of feeling like sometimes you have to have the one thing. And if, you know, this thing wasn't your one thing, you just wasted more time in finding your one thing. I think we've got to drop that, (laughs) that sort of that thought pattern and that, that language, because it's really detrimental to, being okay with trying something new and still feeling like you're successful as a human being. I don't think you just have to have a thing to be like a successful creative. I think it's okay to embrace all the things and also to be okay with the things that you've let go. They're still a part of you, but you're moving on to a new phase of you. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I love true. the sound that you just made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a Michelle Ward thing, right? Like, I don't know. She yes. used to say stuff like, oh, I want to highlight and underline that. Like, it's so awesome. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. yeah, because and really owning that, I think, that, and that's really the hardest part of coming or being brought up in what is truly a specialist, you know, mindset where you have a thing and then, you know, we all know the person that at age four or whatever decided they wanted to be a doctor and now they are, or they wanted to be a lawyer and now they oh, are. Yeah. And I think it's really hard because in that kind of a pursuit, it really does behoove and benefit you to stay the path. I mean, if you want to keep, ro- yeah. you know, rising up the ranks, but then it doesn't, I mean, I'm sure there's growth involved there. I'm not trying to say that anyone in those careers don't grow and change. Of oh, course yeah. they do, but, yeah. mm-hmm. but maybe they don't always, you know, play guitar and start a podcast and then pick up bowling and, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and then want it yeah. to all fit into their career. I mean, I think that's maybe one of the bigger differences in figuring it out as they go and really embracing that piece that part of the thing that makes a multi-passionate multi-doer special is that you can and you want to leverage all those pieces every day oh yeah it's kind of more it's a beautiful thing the way I see it (laughs) it really really is it so is and like I feel like even in today's job market you know I feel like multi-passionates have so much value that they can bring because they are really good at being able to slip into the mindset of the rest of their team members because you're like, oh yeah, I, I can see how it might feel to do that job versus this job versus this job. So, you know, having that, you know, sort of team player aspect, I think is huge. It makes you better at your job, no matter what you're doing. I just think we bring so much value and, and it, it really makes me sad to see people discount that or, you know, that thing of like the jack of all trades, master of none sort of thing. It just is so detrimental and just such a bummer, man. Like, <laughs> it why? Is. like why, why, like why are we so judgy? Why do people need to be so judgy about it? Like maybe this person's good at like three things, you know, great. Like they're going to be able to add that much more to your team versus the other person that's only good at one thing. Like they'll be able to contribute in a different way, but like you need all sorts. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. That little bit right there about how it also kind of if you tap into the intuitive nature that I think probably a lot of multi-passionates have that they're kind of like oftentimes highly sensitive people or can get in the head space of other folks that but I think there's something really special about the intuitive and intuition that comes along with being multi-passionate because I have found that to be completely invaluable when I am managing a project with lots of different kinds of people I mean because I think you also work in a creative department where you have the art director and you have the guy in IT and you have, you know, the account manager and all of these people have very different personalities and want very different things yeah. out of an end product. But as a multi-passionate, I think anybody on that team can then start to intuit, how do I help deliver the right thing for each of these people? Like what does group success look like instead of what does individual specialized success look like? Exactly, exactly. And it's it even comes down to, you know, the various layers of one solution being like, you're going to like the solution because X, you're going to like the solution because Y, you're going to like the solution because B, you know, when you're pitching stuff, I work in a creative department. I'm a copywriter by day. Mm -hmm. 
So when you're pitching stuff, um, it really, really helps that multi-passionate part, like really helps me be able to communicate better with other people as to why, you know, solutions are working. Mm -hmm. You know, why is this good for you and why is this good for the team? So I think that's really, it's really important and it's really not something to be discounted. And I think that it being discounted, I think, is actually the reason why I feel like I see so many multi-passionate creatives starting up new businesses Mm -hmm. and, you know, really publicly launching these new awesome, awesome endeavors because there hasn't really been a good place for us in the corporate world. So it's kind of, you know, up to us to (laughs) to branch out and be like, well, like if I can't put all my skills to use here, like I'm going to go over here and make something completely new and go with that. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Well, and I really, I really love this angle of like that kind of superpower of multi-passionates, especially if they're an intuitive type. Like that is, yeah. I hadn't even really thought about that piece. So I'm really, I'm glad we're in juicy territory. This is fun stuff. (laughs) I like it. Yep. Yep. Um, (laughs) I don't even know where that just came from. (laughs) (laughs) I know you also talk about, and I think this is a really interesting territory as well, is as multi-passionates and having so many different interests, it's really easy to get completely depleted <laughs> because I know even oh, for myself, Lord, yes. like things like this podcast, like it will take over my time and my mind and my energy and my entire night if I let it. Like, how have you worked with that and not let it just take you down? Like, how can people get in touch with a healthy relationship oh, maybe with all their interests. Yeah. So I think one big thing that's helped me is really looking at the reality of my time. Mm. So I know like in the universe that time is infinite and space is forever <laughs> and all of that awesome stuff. But like here on earth, our days are 24 hours long and you know, of those 24 hours, you're like sleeping for eight of them. And then maybe you have a day job where you're working for another eight. Maybe you have kids where you're like, you know, you sleep for like four hours and then the other 20 hours you're trying to, you know, wrangle your family. And we really have a finite amount of time every day to do something. So Coming to that realization was almost like a slap in the face of like, oh my God, like I can't be just going down the rabbit hole all the time. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that it was so easy after that. I just like, <laughs> yeah. I just scheduled my time and then it's fine. But I will say that it does help to keep that in mind because if I want to do three things in a day and I only have two extra hours to work with, then I have to kind of decide which things and how much time I want to spend on those things. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, all my time is gone. And then I get to the end of the day and I'm again in that place of existential crisis of like, Oh, why, what is life? You know, I didn't do anything fulfilling today. I'm just a husk of a person. I might as well just, you know, go to sleep forever. <laughs> but, yes. 
<laughs> I have had that existential crisis like that and yeah. just getting it all in my head about, well, I didn't do all of the I didn't execute the thing in its fullness, maybe. And so then it feels mm -hmm. like I let myself down, which I think if you get back to kind of the Byron Katie, you know, is it true? <laughs> like yeah. you start with that question and kind of unwind yourself, <laughs> kind of get into the space yeah. of, no, I actually just accomplished a lot. Let's take credit for that where it's due and, and where it, the reality yeah, hits. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I did this when I was putting together my website and I was like, okay, yeah. Like by the end of the weekend, I'm going to have a website. And like, I had a bunch of other things to do that weekend and I got to Sunday night and I was like, I have one half of one janky page of a website and I just felt so awful. It was just, it felt terrible. But like, I realized that like, I basically laid a trap for myself by setting my expectations so beyond high that there was no way I was going to be able to do this thing with the actual time I had. So I think you have to constantly be like reassessing your expectations of what's possible. And I don't think that always means that you have to do less, but I think you just have to be realistic with, you know, how much time do I have? What resources do I have? And how much to multi-passionates, how much do you have to learn to get to this point of you know, being able to do this thing. Yeah. Well, and have you found, do you like build in downtime for yourself in a schedule or like in your day to day or how have you found yeah. ways to kind of make it easier and give yourself that breathing space? Yeah. So downtime is huge. I am an super duper extra double plus introvert. Mm -hmm. um, and so I need my space and I need to be able to like retreat from the world and like, just kind of cocoon so that I can recharge. So I use a passion planner. I freaking love it so much. <laughs> yes, um, It's just the bestest ever. And I started doing this thing, you know, in the past year, maybe where I highlight everything, all different colors. So it's just this like magical rainbow of my time. But yeah, I really do. I build in that downtime, even things like taking into account like, oh, like, do I need to commute from point A to point B mm. before I can do this thing? That's going to take this much time. And then it's going to take me time to park my car and walk to the building, you know, and sit down and get settled. And then I can start doing the thing. Right. I live in Southern California. So I went to Disneyland the other day. And my friend needed to leave by a certain time. So I was thinking like, okay, so that means that since we're all the way over here, it's going to take this much time to walk to the you know, parking lot. It's going to take this much time to get on the tram and go back. It's going to take this much time for us to get out of the lot, you know, with the big long line of cars or whatever. So that stuff is constantly on my mind now where I'm like really, really trying to be realistic about how much time it's going to take to get from one thing to doing the next thing. Because I think it's so easy when you start planning and you start trying to take control of your time, it's really easy to plan stuff just back to back to back to back. And I tried to play that game and I just ended up with my head spinning because I was like, I, I can't move fast enough. Like I can't move fast enough for my own schedule. So, you know, that downtime in between things, 
you know, scheduling away time for myself and really honoring that, it's huge. It's been a game changer, I think, in fact. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting because it's it's so easy to like make a little error or not think about the pieces that that often take a really long time. And maybe it's just because we're both in California, but like commuting is a big one. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's a big so one. Hard. It takes a while. <laughs> it can be so hard just to get somewhere. But I, I think it's yeah. also what do you think that multi-passionates are more likely to have that kind of a different way of seeing time and maybe not really giving themselves enough space to get things done? I think sometimes, yes, because you want, you want so many things, right? And whenever I want something, like I want so badly for it to be true, like sometimes I'll just put on the blinders and like completely forget about reality in the world and whatever else is in play. I'm just thinking about like, oh, I want this thing so bad, right? Like I want to be able to do all these things. But you've got to find that intersection between dreaming and reality because you need to keep dreaming for sure forever. Like I think that's so important, but you've got to also continue to cross check with reality and see where that sweet spot is. I think multi-passionates are big time like we're really good at forgetting the the reality <laughs> piece of it because we just we dream so much like we care about so many different things we're excited about so many different things it's really easy to get wrapped up in that dreaming piece and just kind of float away from reality but you know if we really want to get stuff done and we really want to create the things that matter to us i think we do you know we need to work on finding that sweet spot. And it is a very sweet spot. You feel really, really fulfilled and really just like you're just full, you know, when you find that place. And like I've had these days sometimes where they're just this like perfect day of like I did everything that I said I was going to do and I didn't dig myself into a hole trying to do it. I'm not completely just like dead exhausted but I made a lot of progress on stuff and it's just, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's mm. so great. Yes. I know the feeling and it feels like it doesn't come often enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's just me being too hard on myself, right? <laughs> like, kind of going back to what we'd said about it. It's yeah. like, you kind of oh, yeah. have to have that running list of the yeah. accomplishments as well. And not just honing in on the things that, I mean, maybe that's kind of an interesting topic, too, is I know I have the to-do list, but I don't always create, like, the what I've done this week list, you know? It's mm, so easy yeah. to focus on the, oh, I feel like I didn't do all these things, and and it's not really usually true either. Yeah, it's it's not. I do these meetings with some other ladies of my acquaintance, and, like, <laughs> these lady boss meetings. Yeah. And I went to one and we always check in on like, oh, like, what did you get done this week? Like, you know, what were your goals? And like, did you get anything done? And like, I walked into the meeting. And I was like, oh, you guys, like, I didn't really get anything done. I feel really stupid. And they were like, oh, well, tell us about it, you know. And I started like rattling off all these things. I was like, oh, well, I guess I did this thing. And then I did this other thing. And then I actually finished this other thing. And I'm like, listening to myself. I'm like, oh, like. I didn't even stop to like acknowledge myself for any of this. Like I got a ton of stuff done and it was just me being super hard on myself and not like actually 
keeping track of like, hey, like you said you were going to do this thing and you did that and you did more, you know, mm-hmm. so that that being hard on yourself piece is really easy to fall into. But I think what you said of like the list of, you know, things I did do this week, I think that's something like that. It doesn't have to be, you know, you writing a list, but something like that where you can acknowledge yourself for the stuff that you did do and like pat yourself on the back for those wins and then, you know, be okay with the other stuff that didn't get done. I think that's really important. Such a a psychological game. Like instead, it's not just the like physical act of the doing. It's just such a psychological game at the same time. So I think, I think you've really got to keep checking in and keep being able to say like, yeah, self, you did that way to go. (laughs) Yes. Celebrate the wins. (laughs) But also yeah. realize there were wins because that's, mm-hmm. I don't know why it's so hard to see them sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, sometimes it even helps to just like tell another person, you know, because if I hadn't gone and those people hadn't like asked me about it, I would have just kept sitting in this thing. I'm like, oh, I didn't get anything done. I suck, you know, but because they asked me, I was forced to turn around and look at myself and be like, oh, well, you just did a ton of stuff. Like, what are you talking about? Yes. So having an accountability buddy or just <laughs> building that into your week, you know, where it's like, today is the day I'm going to check in with myself, you know? Yeah, I like that you're kind of, it could be with another person or, you know, I think it's also good to find a way if that's not an option. I think there's also ways to check in with your own self, like just like you're saying, like check in on the passion planner and see what it was. Look back at the accomplishments of the week or, or whatever it yeah. is. Like yeah. if you don't have the, I don't know, I always feel like accountability buddies are sometimes hard to find. And I can definitely, it took me the longest time to find these the right one. ladies. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a small, small group. There's like four of us. But you can be your own accountability for sure. It's just kind of being able to step outside of yourself and turn around and ask yourself that question. Like, hey, like, what did you get done this week? What did you work on? And that'll open up a bunch of stuff, I think. Yes, I totally agree. Totally agree. And I love that you found, I mean, it sounds like kind of the equivalent of a mastermind because I think that's such a a nice space. I mean, I have one too, and it's... I don't know that they just get me and and waiting to find the right people was so key because I'd been in other masterminds where it was like, no, (laughs) this this is not it. It can be really, really tough. But I do think that that patience pays off because for the longest time I was like, oh, man, like, I really just want to talk to a real human being about this face to face. And, you know, I was working with Michelle Wood at the time and she was amazing. And I just wanted to be able to like keep that going, you know, in my sort of day to day and have somebody to check in with. And I didn't have anybody for the longest time, but I do think that that patience really pays off because, you know, when you do find that person or those people, it's awesome. So don't despair, everyone. Don't despair. It's true. Yes. There are more people just like you out there. (laughs) Exactly. You will will find the right people. Yep. 
Well, I'm realizing one, I totally forgot to ask you the first question that I ask everyone. So I may cut this and put it back into the front. We just got George. We were having such fun. That is definitely wonderful and so key. Yeah. Would you like to tell us a little bit about who you work with and where people can find you if they're interested in finding out more before we get to the last couple questions? Definitely. So you can find me at multidoer.com. That's M like monolith, U-L-T-I-D like donkey, O-E-R.com. And I'm taking on one-on-one clients. So any multi-passionate creatives that are ready to kind of start acting on the things that they care about and start taking their goals to the next level, you can check it out at multidoer.com slash work with me. But yeah, I would love to hear from any of you. <laughs> awesome. And I will put that link yeah. in the show notes. And then, yeah, let's jump to the last questions. Yeah. What does balance look like for you day to day? Or how do you maintain harmony in your life? Ah, uh, good question. So balance is actually my word of the year for 2017. Mm-hmm. And I've been seeing a lot of things lately that people are like, balance is a myth. Balance is a myth. It's not real. Like you're going to be consumed by whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that has to be true. So I find harmony in my life by making sure that aside from getting done all of my different responsibilities, that I'm also building in time for me that is something that sparks joy. So. I know I was talking about earlier how I highlight my passion planner. That also helps me see at a glance whether I've built in enough time for myself because I'll highlight any like fun time stuff and like bright neon pink. Mm -hmm. So if I don't see any pink on the page, I know there's a problem. So I'll make a conscious effort to go back and find a place to put that in because if I don't give myself that time, then I'm going to deplete myself in so many ways that I'm going to stop being productive, you know, the following week and the following week and the following week. And it really just snowballs on itself from there. So I actively make sure to schedule time for myself to be free and happy and, you know, not have pressure. That is an excellent answer. I love that you schedule it in and that it is a a visual representation because I think that's so important that you kind of put joy on the calendar or fun or play or whatever, whatever it looks like for you that day. Yeah. Yeah. And then last and most joyfully, what are three ways you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world or in other people's lives? Mm, Okay. I think one way, thing number one, and this sounds super cliche, but just smile, (laughs) just breathe and smile because I was actually reading an article about how emotions are contagious. And I think sometimes even when you're feeling like garbage and you just see a stranger on the street, like you might be very much just like in your place of sadness and just kind of give them a scowl and like keep going with your day. But like if you stop to like smile at them and say hi, like they might smile back and you might start this like feedback loop of happiness. So I think that's one thing. I think another way you can do it is really going back to 
you know, my answer to the last question is to really make sure you are honoring that time for yourself. Because if you don't respect your own time, nobody else is going to respect your time. So honor yourself and honor your time and you will absolutely be more happy. And I think the third thing is, you know, minding who you're spending your time and your energy with. Because we've all heard this thing of like, you know, you are the sum of the last five people you interacted with. And I think that's really true to a certain degree. So really, you know, surrounding yourself with the people who like lift you up and like push you to be better and make you laugh. That's so important to me. I love my family. I love my friends. I love my husband. And I just, I try really hard to spend time with these people that are the people that matter to me. And I can be sure that I matter to them. And that's like a surefire way of, you know, sparking that joy in your life. Mm, I love it. I love those answers. (laughs) Thank you very, very much. And thank you so much for being on the show today, Zoha. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Zoha, thank you so much for this amazing discussion. It has been just so much fun getting to speak with you. And what you guys maybe don't know is behind the scenes, I was being attacked by my puppy. (laughs) Which led to some funny side chatter. My dog is a tiny chihuini, which is a chihuahua wiener dog. And he was really um, causing some trouble in the room (laughs) while we were talking. All the more joy. And I want to give Zoha a big thank you for your unique take on what it means to be a multi-passionate and to bring your creative dreams into action, which is sometimes easier said than done. So if you want to learn more about Zoha, you can find her over at multidoer.com or you can find links to her site and more information on my website and that is at jumpstartyourjoy.com slash episode 92. And while you're there, of course, be sure and check out my Joy Plus You Unleashed course on the website. So next week is the 4th of July holiday in the United States. It happens to fall right on Tuesday, which is my usual go-live date. In order to celebrate, I'll be revisiting a favorite interview of mine way back from season one. I had the pleasure of speaking with Matt Wood, who is the voice of General Grievous in Star Wars. Matt is also the senior sound editor for Skywalker Sound, and he has worked on so many great movies like Wally, several of the Star Wars franchise, and and including The Force Awakens. And this conversation that we had was a few months before The Force Awakens came out, and he was actively working on the editing at that time. I adore Matt's deep understanding of sound, which is nuanced and fascinating. And he also lays down some really deep philosophical thoughts on life that he very masterfully ties into some sound theory. I know you're really going to enjoy hearing from him. I just adored this conversation so much. So I hope you will come back. And until next week, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.